Welcome to Zeocast, six questions for industry leaders in unmanned aerial systems, geospatial, and the industries that surround them. Brought to you by Zeo Air. Sit back and enjoy this week's guest. This week on Zeocast with Bronwyn Morgan is Jim Sherman. Jim is the Director of Strategic Development at the Vertical Flight Society. Jim joined VFS in May of 2019. He is responsible for setting and executing the Society's strategy for promoting membership development and growth. Jim is responsible for supporting the development of the electric VTOL revolution and expanding the Society's membership in this fast-growing market segment. Prior to VFS, Jim worked for SAE International for more than eight years as the lead event developer for aerospace and automotive technology and led many other strategic programs that coordinated SAE aerospace activities. Join me in welcoming Jim Sherman. Jim, thank you so much for joining us on ZDLCast today. We're so excited to have you. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Look at- Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. You're in, you know, you are working in one of my favorite areas and one that I'm working in myself uh, with vertical uh, takeoff and, and landing uh, as well as autonomous uh, aerial mobility. So tell us about your background in, in VTOL and autonomous air mobility. You've had a unique journey in aviation technology and applied applications. Tell us more. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, you know, I started in, uh, in working in the industry back in 1992 at uh, General Electric at the time. And uh, I did some work on uh, helicopter engine controls and, and aircraft engine controls um, worked a number of different positions, uh, including some, some work on some fighter aircraft and, and transport aircraft, and ended up oh. moving to a new group that we had formed uh, for hybrid electric uh, tr- uh, drivetrains for trucks and buses. I know oh. this doesn't seem like it's relevant at the moment, but we'll get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked on that for about, uh, you know, about six years, uh, including delivering the first 10 hybrid electric transit buses to New York City. Uh, and at this point in time, there are about hmm. uh, uh, 4,000 of uh, those buses hmm. running around New York City. Um, that transitioned into some other work uh, for the military, uh, including a, uh, a Humvee with a 30 kilowatt generator uh, buried under the hood, uh, which you know, a normal 30 kilowatt generator is a, a large trailer that's roughly the same size as the Humvee. So it was, a, it was quite an uh-huh. accomplishment. And then um, back in 2011, I transitioned over to SAE, the, formerly the uh-huh. Society of Automotive Engineers, to work on some of their events um, and specifically on their aerospace events, uh-huh. so, as, as well as some automotive technology pieces. So I spent uh, about nine years there uh, cultivating various different relationships around the, the different industries and pulling together fairly large events uh, for them uh, in aerospace and uh, and automotive electronics. And that resulted in me uh, getting a chance to go to CES and see some of the things that were going on there. And also to pull together a 
an event called the Transformative Vertical Flight Workshop in conjunction with the uh, International Power Lift Conference. Those two hmm. things don't sound like much of anything until you realize that the IPLC, the Power Lift Conference, um, was a joint uh, event with the Vertical Flight Society, SAE, AIAA, and the Royal Aeronautical Society, and it focused on technologies that weren't helicopters and they weren't airplanes. So okay. at the time, that was uh, mostly fed by uh, F-35B, um, which is the, uh, the vertical takeoff uh, jet from Lockheed Martin, mm -hmm. and, and also the B-22, which is another thing that takes off like a helicopter but flies like an mm -hmm. airplane. Mm -hmm. um, and so those, those two technologies together uh, presented a lot of uh, great technical content as to how to do transitions, how to do hover uh, with different... Um, uh, configurations. And then the Transformative Vertical Flight Workshop that was held there focused on something similar, but it was all electric technologies. <clears throat> okay. And at that event was where Uber uh, released their white paper on Elevate. So uh, mm -hmm. they presented some information about, you know, what their, what their grand vision of Uber Elevate was. And there were a lot of um, what would now be considered industry movers and shakers, including Joe Ben Bavert from uh, Joe B Aviation, John Piasecki, uh, Mark Moore from Uber, uh, Nikhil mm -hmm. Goal from Uber, who's now moved on to something else. But there were a lot of what we would call big names in eVTOL at the time at that uh, at that little workshop. Um, so that really really piqued my interest uh, because it was something that was completely different, completely new, and while I was working at SAE, that was the um, uh, intersection of two of my main technologies, uh, mm -hmm. automotive electronics and aerospace. Um, so as I got to know some of these folks, we built some SAE events around this. And Mike Hirschberg, who is the uh, uh, executive director at BFS, called me shortly thereafter. Um, I think it was in 2000. 18 or so and said, Hey, you need to come work for me and put this stuff together. You're doing such a good job at mm -hmm. SAE. Um, so I, uh, I put him off for quite some time, unfortunately, right, but right. ended up uh, joining here in uh, uh, last May. So I've been here about 18 months and have worked closely with him and the rest of the industry and in pulling together some workshops on infrastructure, uh, tying um, these technologies with some of the ECTOL conventional takeoff, uh, and landing vehicles, what we would consider general aviation, as well as mm -hmm. stall, short takeoff and landing vehicles, as well as uh, some other things. Started tying it into uh, infrastructure, and we built these these other programs. And then this year forced us to do something completely different. That was go to webinars, which have been uh, right. very successful. We bring in an international crowd. Uh, to our events and to advance uh, the knowledge and technology within eVTOL. So um, as part of that too, I get to work with some of our friends at uh, ASTM and ANSI on some drone um, uh, applications and setting some standards and defining what some of those things are. So it's been, it's been a, a real whirlwind for the last 18 months, but we are making huge progress and we can see that in all the press that's coming out on some of these vehicles from, from Joby and Beta and Jaunt and Airbus, uh, as well as a Lillian Volocopter uh, and, uh, and some of the folks that 
uh, in, uh, in Asia, including Ehang. And there's a lot of activity right. down in New Zealand and Australia. It doesn't get a lot of press here, but they are doing some amazing things, uh, including Airspeeder, which is putting together a vehicle to do uh, uh, racing, Formula One style racing. Oh, yeah. wow. That's that's going to prove to be interesting. Well, listen, you've been very busy and some of those names and companies that you brought up are, are very familiar. And I think we're going to be looking for more now. Tell me a little bit more specifically about what you're creating at the Vertical Flight Society right now. You kind of talked about what you guys have been working on a little bit. Tell us a little bit more deeply. So, sure. So, uh, our, our two biggest things with, uh, with eVTOL and, uh, and Advanced Air Mobility, as, uh, as NASA has uh, reclassified it with their uh, national campaign, is we have our eVTOL Symposium coming up in January. Um, mm -hmm. That's uh, it's January 26th through the 28th. We have some really, uh, really important speakers there. Um, our, our keynote speaker will be uh, Bob Pierce from uh, from NASA, mm -hmm. and, and a few okay. others. Uh, and that's held in conjunction with our autonomous VTOL um, technical meeting. So there'll be twenty-five ish papers presented there, in addition to the symposium. Um, so that's a three-day event that uh, you know will cover everything from industry updates, markets. Um, Modeling and simulation, <clears throat> advanced manufacturing, infrastructure, workforce, um, which is going to be um, a huge issue if we don't address it uh, rather soon, and, and exactly. then some adjacent uh, adjacent market, uh, as well as some flight okay. uh, flight simulation and training. Um, okay. And we also have coming up shortly thereafter is our uh, infrastructure workshop, which we've been holding about every six months. So. September and March is, uh, is when we've been scheduling those. Uh, and that, that uh, changes topics as, as, the, as the year goes on. But this past one we did was focused on uh, uh, different pieces that are needed for, uh, for investment to get, get these vehicles off the ground. Well, vehicles get all the, uh, the great press. They don't have a place right. to take off and land and have controls on how to get from one place to another. They're they're kind of right. pointless, so <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, there, there's a there's a lot here to your point in the testing. Uh, I know there are quite a few tests going on in in Texas and in, in California, at least here in the states, and of course overseas. Yep. So <clears throat> that excuse me, that will prove to be very interesting. Is there anything else that you're working on that you want? Yeah. To so as, so as as a subset of that, we also have some technical committees that are focused on you know collecting and advancing uh, various different technology knowledge. Um, so we have our eVTOL technical committee, which is made up of a number of different industry and academia representatives. And there's some subcommittees under that. There's one that's, that's looking at uh, hydrogen applications. Uh, and there's mm. one that's looking at flight tests. Since we are rapidly approaching that point, uh, we actually, our flight test group is a, is a joint venture, if you will, or a partnership with uh, Society of Flight Test Engineers, um, uh, uh, who else? AIAA and SETP um, engineer, uh, Engineering Test Pilots, Society for Engineering Test Pilots. Uh, and those, okay. have, uh, those, those two subcommittees have been fairly active over the past few months and, and have um, uh, done some really good work as well. So we are you know, doing as much as we can to get the information out there and make sure that everybody uh, has what they need to be successful. Um, so 
we, we run the evtal.news website and that yes. uh, would catalog all of the, uh, the vehicles that, uh, that, have, that we're aware of. So we have about 375 vehicles cataloged there now. And we don't distinguish okay. between what's going to be useful and what's not. So we like to call it from the silliest, silly to the serious. So right. uh, even the, uh, the flying bathtub is on there. So, uh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's exciting. I mean, this is this is new for some people and for others like myself who are working in it. Um, we're still learning every day. And so having a, a place to go to kind of aggregate information and data is so critical. And so with your exposure and relationship with, you know, so many different companies and entities that are contributing to this mm -hmm. industry, how are companies working together to bring advanced air mobility to fruition? You know, what are you seeing right now in terms of the interconnected relationships, the conversations, you know, what, what's happening? So we like to think that, uh, that VFS is the, is the center of the universe when it comes to that. So, uh, you know, mm -hmm. small companies do get ideas to go build things, but, you know, oftentimes they're very limited in workforce size. Um, so we can bring those people together and they can have conversations at our events and through our other, uh, other uh, activities to, uh, to find partners. Uh, one, one of which uh, was announced within the last week or so, and that's with Vertigo and XTI um, for mm -hmm. XTI to put uh, Vertigo's uh, hybrid system into their trijet, um, which couldn't have happened without VFS. Uh, those, those two folks got to meet each other and they were actually in one of our, uh, our webinars together. And I'm sure that's, uh, that's probably how this, all, this discussion got started. Uh, lots of different ways. So um, we also see not just with eVTOL, uh, but even with uh, regular helicopter activities or advanced um, vertical lift applications like Racer or, um, or uh -huh. Defiant. Um, those things all happen uh, with, uh, with joint papers being submitted. So those, the folks that are working on those programs um, get to work together from, from academia to suppliers to the OEMs uh, on these, these uh, technical papers to advance what knowledge we have about, uh, about the systems and, and technology that will be useful in, in both sides. So there's the electrical, the eVTOL side and the regular VTOL side because those, the regular VTOL is not going to go away. There's, there's uh, uh, plenty of applications that it, it is better suited for. And then on top of that, we right. see groups like uh, Bell uh, that are working eVTOL and wow. VTOL, as well as they've developed um, uh, larger cargo carrying applications uh, like the APT, uh -huh. <clears throat> which is more of a drone, um, but it's a larger drone. So it's not down in that, uh, uh, what I'll call commercial size. It's, uh, it's greater right. than 55 pounds. Uh, and we see a bunch of others that are, uh, are looking at that space as well. Well, this is going to become increasingly important um, as we look at, you know, short range uh, cargo mm -hmm. delivery. And it's a subject that I've been talking about and writing white papers on for a while, the last three years or so. So this is this is incredible. And there's so oh, much yeah. input uh, across the industry uh, on both fuel sources and capabilities and, and locations and landing sites and the business models around it. What applications do you think will be first to market, quite honestly, in this uh, in uh, AAM? Um, I absolutely think uh, the cargo delivery will, will have its first, uh, will be the first application for eVTOL. Uh, 
Um, now, mm -hmm. I also believe that that will be a hybrid electric VTOL, so there will still be uh, some some fuel involved because they're more more than likely on these sides vehicles going to be longer range deliveries. Uh, so uh -huh. we look at uh, Saber Wing and um, Elroy. So they, you know, they're uh -huh. talking about 300k or uh, kilograms for for cargo or more, and and okay. talking uh, hundreds of kilometers uh, for their for their delivery. So Saber Wing is uh, is targeting Alaska, uh, basically Alaska Bush Pilot routes uh, for delivery. Um, so I I believe they're. They're going to have a certification fairly early, and we'll be able to uh, to begin operations relatively soon. Um, I think the, uh, the certification barriers for passenger carrying uh, increase the the complexity, uh, and they'll be a farther behind. But uh, those will be the day that those things uh, get certified and start flying. That that'll be the day we know that uh, we've achieved. Uh, success, um, um, because exactly. that's when the general public will have uh, access to it. And um, so uh, it's coming, and I, I I believe it's coming sooner than most people um, anticipate. So, uh, mm -hmm. and I think you know the passenger stuff will start to happen in uh, in twenty. You'll, you'll start to see some stuff in twenty three, and really uh, start to pick up in twenty four, and. And right. not really sure where it's going to be first. We know that uh, Uber Elevate is at Dallas and L.A. Um, exactly. There may be other places. Uh, the Canadian Air Mobility uh, Association um, out of uh, Western Canada is, uh, is being really active on eCTOL um, and pushing to mm -hmm. move to eVTOL because they have a lot of helicopter operations that could easily be converted to uh, an eVTOL type operations. So it may actually, it may be Canada that leads in this. Uh, it's hard to say. That would certainly be interesting. And I think this keeps in line with uh, Uber Elevate's, um, you know, tag closer yeah, than you think. And uh, I, I bet it's always so exciting. Uh, our friends over at Uber Elevate and, and the work that they're doing, but all the brands and companies that you've mentioned, um, and, and, and how they're, you know, what's first to market. But I think you're spot on, yeah. with, you know, cargo. Uh, it's certainly a, a little, a lot easier to 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 bring that to there market are first. Fewer obstacles so to get certified. What are yeah. the, ex exactly, and and with that, you know, what are the challenges and hurdles that need to be overcome for this safe integration from your vantage point? I mean, you've you've got a very informed you know viewpoint <laughs> so, here. As uh, as we've talked about many times, there's a thousand reasons why eVTOL won't work. We just need mm -hmm. to find one mm -hmm. reason why it will work. Um, so uh, there's there's a number of different uh, challenges and hurdles um, from from the vehicle side getting through certification um, with the changes to Part 23, um, the process for certifications has made it easier. Uh, so we're not doing the prescriptive type certification anymore. Uh, we're going to a more uh, mm -hmm. consensus standard compliance uh, that that should help, but. You know, nobody's kind of greased those skids yet uh, to know what that really looks like. There are people in the process. Um, noise, I think, uh, you know, helicopters already have a bad rap with, with noise. Um, EV tiles will have a different sound and different EV tiles will have a different signature altogether. Um, so when having the public uh, 
acceptance of what this noise signature looks like uh, and sounds like, I should say, uh, will be key in, in making mm -hmm. sure uh, that that uh, the industry has uh, has some early successes. Um, the the other thing is being able to communicate to the public these vehicles are safe. They're not going to be flying over your city streets and suddenly crash onto your car right. and kill you. Um, so there's right. there's there's a a lot of public outreach that needs to be done. So that's one challenge. Um, the infrastructure right now, if you look at commercial air traffic, um, that's pretty regulated. That's pretty pretty well known, but it's also not at right. ground level except around airports. Um, okay. So as with drones, we're going to need to uh, uh, build up this infrastructure to be able to manage traffic because we, we don't need um, uh, vehicles running into each other, especially if we have inexperienced pilots flying around, which is more than mm -hmm. likely going to be a starting point. But we also need to be able to avoid mm -hmm. uh, those folks that are not skilled at uh, uh, handling their drones either. So we need to be able to avoid those things as well right. as birds. Um, there's weather issues mm -hmm. we have to deal with at low levels. At, at commercial transport, we have this great weather system that uh, you know keeps keeps all the airplanes informed about what they're what they're running into, and it's updated as each plane passes through. The difference is it's on a macro scale. And uh, when you're looking at cityscapes, um, a change in uh, just a minor change in the uh, wind direction will have drastic effects in a, in a downtown area or even just a localized area with, uh, with uh, foothills and mountains and what have you. Uh, so having a micro scale weather system that can broadcast real time data on uh, wind conditions, humidity, yes. so on and so forth, uh, will be very important to have those, uh, those investments made. And we've, we've done some things where we've seen uh, some, some simulations of cities and it would, it would be next to impossible to fly around uh, some of the, the routes that are being called out. Uh, the last mm -hmm. thing is having infrastructure in place for takeoffs and landings. Um, and, and with the EV tile, it's a different challenge than building uh, a, a small heliport or helipad um, where you can, you can have a fuel tank uh, on site to fuel up uh, and have it refuel at times. We're going to have the electric grid run over there with, you know, a lot of high, high power electric uh, first off, that's not necessarily easy to get installed, uh, and it right, has something right. to do with supply chain because it takes. If you order your stuff today, you might get it in about five years. Um, so that's, that's one issue. And then if if you have a hybrid system where you've got fuel and electric, uh, that's a safety hazard that needs to be addressed. And so we've been uh, mm -hmm. we've had discussions with uh, uh, NFPA on on what that looks like as well as some other code issues. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about converting you know, downtown parking lot, parking garage roofs into a landing area. It's not, not quite that simple. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no. no, it's not. That infrastructure, I've given a talk on drone ports last year. That infrastructure is, uh, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot to consider. Um, and people think, oh, you'll just land them on top of the buildings. And you know, people say, yeah, what about the HVAC? I'm like, how do I get down to the lobby? Who owns that space? How do you maintain safety and security? Where do you go yeah, from there? That's um, exactly right. So these, yeah, these elements are, are many. Um, well, what's the best way to network and expand and identify 
some of these key players who are figuring out all of these things? I mean, you know, what do you think we need to do to better inform each other and work together both publicly and the private sector? Well, there's uh, uh, there's a couple of different things. Obviously, uh, you know, I'll promote uh, uh, Vertical Flight Society membership as part of that um, Mm -hmm. because we we are working with all the key players. Uh, there's a couple other things. There's the uh, the NASA uh, Advanced Air Mobility National Campaign uh, is kicked off, and that's uh, they've issued more than 17 contracts. I know I saw an announcement for 17. I know they've trickled in a few others, but that's building a miniature uh, miniature environment habitat, if you will, for eVTOL and advanced air mobility, which includes drones and other things too, uh, to develop. You know, the air traffic management systems, the weather systems, uh, measure noise, characterize uh, vehicle operations. To follow that, uh, I think that will be important because you will see many of the key players um, that are in the industry today are already working there. Um, follow uh, the Agility Prime program, which is uh, run by the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, they are you know, providing resources and facilities for uh, for vehicles to be able to go do flight testing or other types of testing that they wouldn't normally have the uh, uh, the resources to to go secure so like wind tunnels and, mm-hmm. and large fields um, and so on and so forth so those th- those three things will, will give you a, a good uh, uh, understanding of what's going on minute to minute uh, obviously, you can follow eVTOL.news. Um, we, we post things there daily. Uh, and then come to, come to events. And it's not just VFS events. Um, um, AIAA has their electric uh, uh, symposium embedded into, um, I believe it's actually in their propulsion event now. Uh, Aeronautical okay. Society uh, has had some events. Um, there's Revolution Aero. There's uh, CES, which I talked about earlier, and I guess I never really tied the loop there. But CES mm-hmm. is where Bell and Hyundai have announced uh, and unveiled their their uh, eVTOL vehicles. Um, so you know, watch what happens at uh, CES from that perspective. Um, but there are there are lots of events out there, and there's going to be um, plenty of news coming out probably nonstop for the next two years. Um, so, you know, Fantastic. you can follow me on LinkedIn. I don't really do Twitter, but. You- <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to put all these links uh, yeah. and all your social media in the, in the notes. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us on Zio Cassie. These well, have thank been you your so six much. questions. And it we was look a great forward pleasure. to having I you again. I uh, appreciate the time. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing from some of your audience about getting involved. It's uh it's one of those uh, industries where <clears throat> we need everyone to be involved and, uh, and to take an active role in s- overcoming these challenges and hurdles in order to make this uh, a successful industry that we can all enjoy. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Jim. You. We'll talk to you soon. Geocast is a podcast dedicated to all things unmanned and geospatial. Only six questions per guest so you can get the essence of their wisdom. Brought to you by Zeo Air, an outsourced AI-based drone services and data management company. www.zeoair.com <laughs>